If you like the Middle-Aged Man Talk podcast, consider giving us your support on Patreon. Hello, everyone. Welcome for a outdoor edition of Middle-Aged Man Talk. <laughs> we don't have Asian food tonight. We have Mary Brown's Fried Chicken, which is the fried chicken from my home province of Newfoundland in Labrador. Basically, it is a Irish-Canadian take on southern fried chicken. With the, Louisiana-style hot sauce. With Louisiana-style hot sauce. As always, I'm with my trusty co-host, Richard. Hello. We're not reading, reading a script. It's all... Ad-lib. It's all ad-lib off the cuff. We're drinking some bubbly, and we also have chocolate milk. Chocolate milk is the correct drink for fried chicken. And there'll be beer later, after the show. After the cleanup. After the cleanup. We're going to clean up Richard's workshop tonight. But right now, we're on his lovely back deck. So basically, the thing with fried chicken is the taters, Richard. Because the taters, fresh cut potatoes into the tater shape, and they actually put some of the breading on them. The flour. So and they deep fry them. Slightly breaded potato wedges. Mary Brown's is the best fried chicken chain because they actually trim the chicken in-house and they do the potatoes fresh. Nothing's frozen. They get it all, they do it up. It's the best one. So what's the history of fried chicken in Newfoundland? Like so it's Irish and English, so fish and chips is the thing. Basically in the 19, I want to say 50s, the history of Mary Brown's, someone coming visiting a family in St. John's, Newfoundland, they brought a fried chicken recipe from the southern United States and the mom said, oh, hey, I could do that. And she did her own take on it with the spices as it is, as you'll taste it. A little bit a little bit of pepper. I think, I think it's just like pepper and salt, all the British spices. And that's basically it. But they just do it up fresh. And it's been a thing for a long time. And now it's kind of expanding across Canada. They're trying to get into the States as a bigger chain as the chain grows. But they're still keeping a lot of the prep work in the local franchises. So it's better. So that explains the Louisiana-style hot sauce. and also That's just a hot sauce they bought to add. They didn't always have hot sauce. That's a newer development. I was going to say, because Louisiana cooking, a lot of it, is Cajun, which is actually from the Acadians. Yeah, the French that we kicked out of Canada. Yes. But that's a whole other podcast. But anyway, this is what I used to get as like a treat growing up. It's like, oh, we're having Mary Brown's fried chicken. This is the thing. Uh, so so it, was, it was the equivalent of me getting Kentucky fried chicken. Yes. Although we also did get Kentucky fried chicken sometimes. Some people like that too. We have, because that's everywhere. That's all over the yeah. world. I had a friend who was doing teaching English in China. Somewhere in mainland China, so like very Chinese, not many foreigners, but he was there teaching English. And he got so sick of all the Chinese food that they had in that province. It was all cut up small. It's all different, like little things. He never got like a piece of meat. He's like, I want a piece of meat. And he was driving with some of the other teachers and he saw a KFC. And he's like, please, can we go? I need meat. Please. His parents are like super health nuts. And he was like, I'm sorry, mom. I needed meat. <laughs> So they went to a KFC, and it was, he said, basically the same. This is in mainland China somewhere. Oh, there's a KFC. Let's go. Essentially the same. Where's that hot sauce? Bogart and the hot... The guy gave me a lot, huh? Mm-hmm. So... Like, they're always owned by Newfies. Oddly, Newfies go somewhere else. There's been a Mary Brown's in Yellowknife up in the territories for forever, because a Newfie couple went there, and they were like, hey, wait a minute. We could open a Mary Brown's up here. Because Newfies kind of go everywhere and work. They just... That's what we do. Yep. So what are you thinking? What are you liking? I like the, I like the fries. Taters. The taters. Chicken and taters. And the and is done with a Canadian maple leaf. Chicken and leaf taters. Mmm. Chicken maple taters. Is there a fork? Oh. Yes. Two forks. Thank you. And the coleslaw, they also make in-house. Shred the cabbage, the carrot, mayonnaise, whatever else. I think it's the best fast food chicken because they do the prep work in, in-house. I haven't had Popeyes. I tried Popeyes once when they opened up that new one in the center of town. I went there for lunch with a yep. buddy. And it was like the whole... 
new the new restaurant problems like things aren't working the stuff they're doing is a long line it's slow and it was over deep fried so the grease was soaked through it as opposed to crisping the outside and steaming the inside less than ideal so I know that um, Kentucky Fried Chicken had a huge issue with the quality of their meat getting so fatty because of the the birds that they eventually like American corporate farming where it's yeah. all about bigger fatter quicker birds that eventually they started they implemented a quality thing quality standard mm-hmm. it's actually funny colonel sanders he was crazy he had all these different professions before he became like the chicken guy he basically created franchising food franchising because what he would do is he would travel around with his spices and like how to make the chicken and then people could use his brand and say oh we use these spices to make our fried chicken so you get that kind of fried chicken at like a greasy spoon diner mom pop shop and that was the franchising oh we have their recipe we have their they'd make the seasons up I guess in Kentucky somewhere, and then ship them out all over. Apparently, the guy, the Dave Thomas guy, not the comedian, the Wendy's guy, the Wendy's guy, he apparently was very big in KFC franchising before he did Wendy's. Wendy's was his own invention. The reason he invented Wendy's is that I saw his biography years ago, and it was because his father wanted to keep him with him, and his dad traveled for his work, so he always kept him with him. But they always stayed in hotels and motels, and they always ate in restaurants. So whenever they were finally home or visiting family, he got to have a good old-fashioned American homemade cheeseburger, and he loved just a good homemade cheeseburger, real home-cooked American food, and that's why he did Wendy's because that was his favorite thing growing up. Because usually it was always in restaurants, sometimes even nice restaurants with dad or with clients. So kind of neat. Named after his daughter. Well, I actually they said in the documentary her daughter isn't named Wendy. And then when they're trying to figure out a name, someone just blurted out, hey, what about Wendy's? Kind of playing on, like, their sister's yeah. name or, you know, the, his daughter's name. So everyone thinks it's his daughter, Wendy, and they kind of put that in the advertisement, but apparently her name is just similar to Wendy. But Wendy is kind of more well-known, easier to remember. So yeah. how do you like the fried... You like fried chicken. Mm-hmm. I, how do you like fried th- chicken? This is, this is the best, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's good. I, like, I can't actually think of better fried chicken I've had, unless it was in, like, a nicer restaurant or a really nice pub. And even then, it's probably equivalent. And I got it fresh. I picked it up, drove right here. Why do people like Cheese Whiz so much? It's got I, personality. It's got personality. That's a free plug for Kraft. You owe us money, Kraft. <laughs> they had good ads. You know what I like to again? My brother and I would do this. We found out by mistake, I think because of a dare, we put Kraft peanut butter smeared with Kraft Cheese Whiz, like the brand name, not the... Not yeah. the store name shit, the brand name. And we smeared it together on a piece of toast in the toaster oven, not the upright of the toaster oven. We toasted it and all melted it. And then that's how we invented the Moasted PB&J. Melted and toasted. You make a PB&J, regular Sam, but you put it in the toaster oven and then all the peanut butter melts and the jam gets warm. You take it out, cut it in half, and it's amazing. We didn't always cut it in half. So there you go, Internet. Moasted. I just melted and toasted. I've coined it here first. A moasted PB&J. Which we also with cheese whiz and peanut butter. Anything with peanut butter basically works on bread. Yep, I've done salsa and peanut butter. Mm. And ketchup and peanut butter. Ketchup seems excessive because it's just more sugar. Well, so is honey. So is jam. Okay, fair point. So yeah. basically ketchup is just tomato jam. Yeah. Then what's a tomato salsa? I've had those tomato salsa things, which are good. Oh, there's, there's tomato salsas, which are sweet. There's sweet tomato salsas. Um, yeah. Which are they're salsas because they're chunky. So so actually, maybe maybe um, ketchup's more like a jelly, and salsa's more like a jam. Yeah, but it's not a jelly texture. A jelly jam, jim jam, jelly. Yeah, it's a jalam. Mm. It's actually it's table sauce is what it is. It's table sauce. I love hosen sauce. I love having hosen sauce, which is just Chinese barbecue sauce or like generic Asian barbecue sauce. Because um, 
Vietnamese restaurants always have it too, and Cambodian restaurants. But it's just kind of like their equivalent of barbecue sauce-ish or ketchup. And I love that stuff. I love that Hosen sauce. I mean, just sugar. It's the sugar and there's some spices. But I love having it at home because people come over and I'm like, oh, would you like to have some Hosen sauce? What is that? That's Chinese. Uh, and they put it on their thing, their burger, and they're like, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of like a Chinese ketchup. I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yep. Um, Your kids love ketchup. The last barbecue we had, I assumed you were being like polite. Your son, he had a plate, like a regular dinner plate, and he had a great big Italian, like a big sausage, and he's dipping it, covering ketchup, little bite, covers it again, little bite, and then like, oh, can I have like a burger now? Oh, no problem. Here you go. More ketchup. He must have had at least two cups of ketchup or more. Yep. Yeah, no, that boy loves is that, ketchup. Is that normal or is that just like when there's a barbecue and people over? No, that's normal. He's eating. He's eating. He's healthy. <laughs> he's full of sugar and ready to go yeah i notice your heinz like i imagine you at costco excuse me sir is there a bigger heinz ketchup i could buy? like is there like a vat could i just get do they come in one gallon squeeze bottles uh, I get the, like the pump one you know the pump one you see the fast food burger yep. place can i get the pump ketchup you where are those go to toronto or ottawa to the mega costco what do they call it? It's the business Costco. Well, the Costco for like uh, restaurants. Yep. Yeah, it's like a food services. Yes. Uh, that's where you can get the five kilogram jar of Nutella. Five kilograms. So that way, hold on. A kilogram. is 2.2 pounds. 2.2 pounds. 2.2 times five. So it's an 11 pound jar of Nutella. Yes. I feel like I'd lose my knife in that. Like I'd just be like, oh, I get some Nutella. Oh, I lost the knife. Oh, I'll use my hand. <laughs> Like Winnie the Pooh with it. How did I get diabetes? Yeah, it's Winnie the Pooh, basically. Winnie the Pooh and Nutella. You know, Nutella was invented by accident. It, well, not by accident. It was invented by being thrifty, kind of, with the chocolate. In Italy, during World War II, they had less chocolate. Like, all the commodities were being used for the war effort. So they took ground-up hazelnuts, which they had in parts of Italy because they were grown there, plentiful local commodity. They would take ground hazelnuts, mix them into the chocolate and chocolate sauce that they had for their pastries and for other stuff, just to thin out the chocolate. We don't have enough chocolate. Yep. We have to make it go further. And everyone's like, this is amazing. You know who loves a good frozen pizza? Elijah Wood. The actor, Frodo, Frodo Baggins. I watched, I watched one of those stupid videos. Yeah. Somehow he got talking about how he loves frozen pizzas and he will purposely go to new grocery store chains, ones he hasn't been to before or been to in a while, to peruse the frozen pizzas to see what kind of frozen pizzas they have. Like I thought, you're Frodo Baggins. You have Frodo Baggins money and you're eating frozen pizzas? It is kind of interesting how some people can be like richly successful. I was like, man, I got to get me a frozen pizza. Yeah, well, and the fact that he's just going to his local grocery store instead of people making him frozen pizzas. Yeah, it's not like he's having pizza flown in from Italy. I like Prince Edward County. And so there... It gets full of Toronto people, though. Yeah. Toronto people, in case you're not sure, internet, people from Toronto, when they travel outside of Toronto, like to say with a certain air, yeah, we're from Toronto. It's Canada's largest city. There's millions of people there. It's not an achievement to be from Toronto. It's just a place anyone can move to. No, it's actually really not an achievement to be from Toronto because, yeah, there's millions of people there, so there's a good chance, yes, if you're from Ontario, you're from Toronto. It's like a one in, a one in three? Yeah. Actually, Toronto, you're probably a Newfie. It's full of Newfies. Yeah. Toronto has about the same population as Alberta. Yeah. Also, full of Newfies. Yeah. My people go everywhere and we bring fried chicken. See, I brought out a pineapple bubbly and an orange bubbly and Richard grabbed the orange bubbly and just opened it without asking. He's like, I'm not drinking the pineapple drink. It was closer to me, actually. That's why. And I also like these, the pineapple. You know, I like pineapple. Yeah. I like pineapple too, as long as it's not cooked. So how are you liking the chicken? 
How does it compare to your KFC? Uh, KFC's had its ups and downs. That sort of stuff. There's still a touch, taste of nostalgia with KFC. And salt. There's more salt in KFC than this. Yeah. I love the Futurama bit. It was a Matt Groening spin-off, well, not spin-off, but like the first series he did after The Simpsons. And the robot wants to be a chef. So the robot, the robot android thing becomes a, a cook at one point. And he's like, I got the recipe for KFC. Fat chicken salt. I was like, that's about it. Fat chicken salt. That's what pepper, else do you pepper. really need? What? There's a lot of pepper. Yeah, there's there's a bit of spices, but no, it's, it's sort of it's that's the most other than the salt and the fat and the chicken. The, the most recognizable flavor in KFC is the black pepper. Apparently, you can still get the original KFC recipe that the Colonel used because it's I think his second wife opened up some sort of dinner house. It's in Kentucky, I think. Where they have uh, they have like weddings and stuff, and apparently they still have the original original recipe on the menu. So if you go there and order the fried chicken, you are actually the last place you can get the original recipe. And apparently the families kept it the same. But he was an interesting character. He was a lawyer in Kentucky at one point, and he's actually a real honorary colonel. He got it from the governor or something of Kentucky. So the whole like colonel title, it's not like Doctor Pepper, not yeah. a real medical doctor. The colonel was a real colonel. But the funny thing is how he got disbarred and couldn't be a lawyer anymore. He got in a fist fight in court with his own client that is a true story look it up that's how the colonel stopped being a lawyer can you imagine disbarred must have been i mean a fist fight in court is bad enough but with your own client your own client like let me guess he was a defense lawyer i don't know what he did because otherwise he wouldn't either it was family law or something like that but i have no idea basically but the thing is is that as as i say the man who represents himself has a idiot for a uh lawyer yeah yeah fool for a lawyer a fool for a client classic he had all kinds of weird jobs. Like, he has a really... Like he's one of the more interesting people in, like, recent American history. Because he had these weird jobs and weird things. The, the Newfie Fried Chicken, the Mary Browns, I imagine the mother's name was Mary, or her mother's was. It's yeah. a very common Irish Catholic name, or Catholic name, period, mm-hmm. anyway. The Canadian version's always less interesting. Yeah. We have a prime minister. Uh, is there a scandal? No, once he elbowed someone by accident, it wasn't that hard. That's the worst scandal from our prime minister. Do you see that, or read... The Stephen King science fiction about that, traveling back in time and trying to prevent the Kennedy assassination? No, I didn't. But I've seen various takes on that. So this one, it's actually, it was James Franco who was the main character, and he did it wonderfully in this miniseries of the Stephen King book, Need a Chocolate Milk. Um, and basically, this diner he goes to has really good food, because if you go into the closet of this diner, you go back to the 60s. Bink in a blink of an eye. And then when you walk back the same way, you've only been gone like a second. And you're back there. But if you go back a second time, anything you did in the past is now unraveled. You've restarted, you've, you know, restarted the game, basically. Restarted going back. So the guy who owns the diner tells him what he's doing. He's dying of cancer now. You have to do it. I almost got far enough last time. You know, you have to you have to go and do it. So the guy tries this, and he, he stays there, and he falls in love, and goes through all these things, and he actually prevents the Kennedy assassination. He actually just barely does it. And it's spoilers, spoilers. It's, it's been out for ages now. I know. Uh, anyway, so they, they finally, he prevents it, and then when he goes back, it was post-apocalyptic. There had been a nuclear war. And he doesn't know what's going on, and he, he manages to connect with someone, a little boy whose life he saved in the beginning, back in the 60s, who's now a grown man the guy remembered him because it was a meaningful thing in his life and he's like what happened is like i don't really know i was a child we're not sure who struck first but you know we dropped bombs russia dropped bombs we're toast and it's like but i saved kennedy's life but of course you don't know what other things would have happened even if kennedy had or hadn't been shot who knows it's completely unknown and can't be proven so it's kind of an interesting look at time travel not the how or the hard science time travel but just as if you could what would you do and what would happen? Yeah, I, I saw a... Uh, Everyone kills Hitler? They all go back in time and try to kill no, Hitler? No, this was, this was even... Uh, it was a hard science fiction. 
um, with Titan Travel, and the guy ac accidentally steps on a butterfly. I mean, they back prehistoric times. That's the, yeah, that's the one they make all the tropes of now. They, the, the, it's been a cliched trope now in comedy science fiction. Well, they, they talk, there's a butterfly effect, but this was not actually, this was a play on that, the chaos theory. So the butterfly effect is specifically to do with the flapping of a butterfly's wings in China affecting weather patterns in North America. Was that the Gyllenhaal one? Jake Gyllenhaal? I don't know who who had the... He bought a cheaper pair of jeans that came from somewhere else. So some guy in South America lost his job. So he was at home boiling an egg. And the steam from the egg he boiled contributed to a weather front, which caused weather terrain. And then Gyllenhaal loses the number of a girl he's in love with that was written on a piece of paper because it rained on it and the ink ran. It's one of those like... That's a spin on the butterfly effect. But this was using it in time travel. So the guy steps on this butterfly. And when he comes back, it's not humans who are the intelligent species what is it like monkey people no no it's something else something very alien that is kind of interesting it was just a short story but basically just that little change in the past yeah star trek kind of did that next generation that there's this spatial anomaly that gets bigger the farther back you go in time it grows in reverse and it was going to disrupt amino acids from becoming you know human or life you know the first bit yeah. of life on, on earth but we do have proof there is actually alien life out there they have never tried to contact us Nope. <laughs> Swipe left on this planet, guys. I forget who said that. That's one of those famous quotes. Yeah. Literary quotes. The fact that we have not detected alien life is proof that it exists and they're not picking up the phone. That's right. Like, no, no, you guys. Mm, no. This chocolate milk is the perfect pairing. It's the perfect beverage pairing with Mary Brown's fried chicken. Gosh, that's good. No. Uh, you know that's 1% now? Remember when we were kids, chocolate milk was 2%? Yeah. And now they're cheap bastards and it's 1%? Cheap bastards. Still good, though. They add uh, carrageenan to kind of give it that mouthfeel. Yeah. I was... Where was I? I might have been in the States in Vermont or somewhere, and it was some, like, organic dairy place, and they actually had 2% chocolate milk, and it was, like, better ingredients, and I was just like, oh, yeah. My wife's like, stop drinking so much chocolate milk. I grew up on a dairy farm, so the chocolate milk we had at home was... About four and a half to six percent. You know what Nestle Quick did? Was that it? Remember Nestle Quick? Yeah, we we did Nestle Quick. Um, my mom used to make her own chocolate syrup sometimes. So was it syrup or powder? I had the powder growing up. Almost never the syrup. We had Nestle, we had occasionally would have the Nestle Nestle Quick uh, uh, syrup. It, mom would buy it for on top of like like we'd occasionally do like sundays or something like that. Oh yeah, use it for ice cream. Yeah, I mean it's just basically a little bit of chocolate and then sugar and. Liquid water, I guess. Yeah, so mostly sugar chocolate. Well, it's it it's a sugar syrup, so it'd be like a simple syrup with chocolate added. Yeah, yeah, like that weird stuff we had the other night on those fruit yeah. things from Japan. That uh, was a weird sugar to add to fruit that was already in sugar juice. Yeah, that yeah, was it was weird. It was weird, but that's kind of the whole point of showing weird things. We're gonna eat weird fish next week that we won't like. I am looking forward to it not. I, I think I balanced it out, though, our food pretty well. And then, like, tonight's ethnic food was great, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Southern fried chicken, Irish-Canadian style, Mary Brown's. It is It is pretty good, though. So, you know why it's Mary Brown's? Because Brown is an extremely common Irish uh, name. Really common. It's, so, a, it's even in songs. So, like, it was some woman named Mary Brown. She made the chicken, and they originally probably sold it just locally in their neighborhood in, like, downtown St. John's, from Mary Brown's. And then, of course, it became a thing. Yep. A lot of fried chicken talk tonight. So, uh, would this be a buy again? Yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to our first outdoor middle-aged man talk, where we ate fried chicken. And talked. And talked. Yep. And taters. Mmm, taters.
Let's go clean the workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Middle-aged man talk. Thank you so much for listening. Please check us out on Patreon. (laughs) Woof.